We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Let's give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know if you were with us Wednesday. I also asked uh, Jaron. Jaron came up last week for his knee. We prayed over his knee. He said he was able to worship the Lord and get on his knees and praise God, amen, with no pain. And then as we were praying for Jaron, we had another one of our ladies come up on Wednesday night and testify that she just took that for herself and praise God, all pain in her knee left, amen? Hallelujah. God is moving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We give him praise and we glorify you and we magnify you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your divine strength. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Right now, in the name of Jesus. There's a prayer in the book of Ephesians that I think everyone needs to pray over their lives. And I feel impressed by the Spirit to you know, share this with you because fatigue is something that we all deal with, especially in this age and what what we're dealing with and the pressures of life. And uh, it's found in Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, he talks about, I bow my knee unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he might strengthen you, amen, strengthen you with all might by his spirit in your inner man. So you have to understand that strength is a spiritual force and that it's not necessarily your physical heart that gives you the strength. It is what's behind your physical heart, which is the very life of God on the inside of you, the strength of God. We see this in two instances in the scripture. We see it in the case of Samson. Samson was strengthened by the Spirit of God. It was a supernatural strength. It came from the Lord. But there's also a strength that comes from the demonic realm in Mark chapter 5. So we see that strength is a spiritual force that both kingdoms use. But we need to understand that when we have the life of God on the inside of us, we have all strength on the inside of us. Amen? And praise God, you don't need to be fatigued any longer. You don't need to be weak any longer. Praise God. How do we release? I don't know why I'm saying this. Somebody needs to hear this by the Spirit of the Lord. How do I get this strength, Pastor? How do I get this strength? Well, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? See, you have to begin to release things. Amen? There's there's a deep reservoir on the inside of every believer right here this morning. If you have Jesus on the inside of you, you have everything. You have everything. Amen. I don't care what your economic situation may be or your mental capacity may be or what you have financially or what you have, you know, materially. It doesn't matter. What you have is you have everything when you have Jesus. Now, the the goal of 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 uh, increasing, you know, in the Christian life is awareness. It's a, just an awareness an awareness of what you have. That's, that's really the, the pursuit that each of us need to have is an awareness. We're not trying to get God to do something. We're not trying to pull God down from heaven. God has made his dwelling place in us. Amen? Now, I don't know, understand how that works. 
But Jesus said that if we would obey his commandments, that he would love us and his father would love us and they would both come and make their special dwelling place on the inside of us. And so if God lives on the inside, if God is enthroned on the inside, then all the strength and wisdom that you need for this life is there. Even though you may not be able to mentally comprehend it, praise God, the mind of Christ is there. You might not understand physics and the way the world operates, but praise God, you've got the mind of Christ. Amen? And that means when you face any situation in your life, you have the answer on the inside. It's not you that is the answer. It's him on the inside of you that's the answer. Amen? And I'm telling you, divine strength is going forth right now in the name of Jesus. Right now. Right now into joints, into limbs, into bodies, into organs. Right now in the name of Jesus. Divine strength right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. By the Spirit of the Lord. I sense that strong in the name of Jesus. Weaken. Praise. Weak, feeble knees are going to be strengthened right now in the name of Jesus. Weakened joints are going to be strengthened right now in the name of Jesus. Fatigued muscles are going to be strengthened right now in the name of Jesus. And praise God, vital organs in our bodies are going to be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? Praise God, when you believe, you receive. Amen? Praise the Lord. When a word goes forth, we have to take it hold of it. We have to receive it with our receiver. What's our receiver? We receive it by faith in our spirit. Amen? And we've got to take hold of it. It's just like a quarterback. You know, when a person's ministering the word of the Lord, or whether there's a tongue and interpretation, or whether there's a prophetic utterance, or whether there's uh, just somebody just running across here, we need to understand that the spiritual atmosphere is heightened to this. I was watching um, a movie um, it was an Elvis, the new Elvis movie. I didn't really much care for it, but I understood some things about it. It's that when Elvis got up there early on in 1954, 55, you know, he was just a 20-year-old man. And he got up there and began to do his little moves. It began, it began to change the atmosphere. Not in a good way. But it began to change the atmosphere. Hysteria began to come upon women. That's a spiritual force. So you don't understand, you know, when, when you think about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and, and when that first started happening. We don't see it much today. But when it first started happening, uh, they would see hysteria come upon people. And it was because of movements. Oh, you don't, you're not getting this. <clears throat> Trying to teach you here, all right? So people will say, well, you know, dancing in the spirit, that's foolish. Or running in the spirit, that's foolish. It's the same principle. It's the same principle. It's just in the kingdom of God. See, when we yield to God in any way, whether it's jumping up and down, whether it's lifting our hands, whether it's giving a shout of praise, whether it's running around this auditorium, what is happening? The spiritual atmosphere is being energized and changed by the Spirit of God. And when we, and when we see that begin to happen, we have to understand that anyone that is giving that, they're basically like a quarterback that's throwing the ball. You've got to be able to receive that. 
Amen? And you're getting far more out of the service than you could ever imagine if you'd stop being a spectator and learn to be a participator. Amen? People called the church up and say, who's ministering? Who's ministering this week? Who's ministering? You need to not be concerned with who's ministering. If, if somebody meets you at Phelps and says, who's ministering down there Sunday? You need to say, I am. Because that's what the Bible teaches. People come with tongues. People come with prophecy. People come to pray for others. People come to help others. People come to educate others. People come to exhort others. People come to pray and see deliverance happen. Amen? Praise God, you're coming in as a minister is what you're coming in as. You're not coming as someone that's just going to sit here and like eat popcorn or watch a movie. Hello. This is good stuff. Jesus' ministry was affected by the reception of people. Did you understand that? He couldn't even minister effectively in his own hometown because of their unbelief. Many times we don't see what we want to see. It's because we're in the funk, not the person that's ministering. You need to understand that it is a collective. Uh, it is, it, we, we are in cooperation with one another. If we want to see more of God, we've got to come ready to receive more of God. I know I've done my part. How about you? I'm telling you what, I could get, I could get on my soapbox right here. When people leave churches, oh, well, the Lord doesn't move. Anymore. Well, part of the reason why the Lord's not moving is you. God don't like ugly. Downgrading, criticizing, causing division. And we wonder why the Lord doesn't move corporately. You're bringing your sorry old self filled with all your offense and all your bitterness, and you think God's going to move. You're, you're ridiculous. That's what you are. You need to repent. Hello? Come on now. Hello? And then that spirit of pride comes in and says, well, if I was up there, I'd do this. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. That's part of the spirit of Antichrist. Not good at all. Well, if I was in charge, I wouldn't do this, and we wouldn't have this, and we would do this, and blah, 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 blah. Sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And you think people listen to you when you talk to them. They ain't listening to you. You know what they're saying in their mind? This person's a fool. Hello? I'm telling you, we need more of God moving in the church today. And we need to realize that it isn't up to a ministry gift to make that happen. It's up to us as the body of Christ. We're his body in the earth. So if God's going to do something, he's going to do it through us. Amen? He's going to do it through us. It's just like, you know, I, I, I have, you know, my soul right here. But you know what? My soul could speak to my arm and tell it to move. And my arm could say, no, we're not doing it. You know, there could be a breakdown. Sometimes Jesus is telling us to do things that will create the atmosphere, not a hysteria like the enemy tries to bring in, but an edification. Amen? 
I've seen people dance before the Lord and it just take the service down to hell. And I've seen people dance in the spirit and it just uplift the people and exhort and bring in there. Listen, you can do things in the wrong spirit. Oh, I'm getting into my message, but praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hello. I tell you what, I feel the anointing of the shepherd on me today to take my club and to bash some wolves' heads this morning. That's what I sense. I sense a strong anointing here of correction. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's been some been some wolves sniffing around the sheep pen. Guess what? I know who I am. And I know whose I am. And you're not talking about a person that just got in ministry yesterday. Amen. Hallelujah. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. There are spiritual forces that are trying to influence people that need to be addressed. Come on now. They need to be addressed, praise God. Hallelujah. But first, we're going to celebrate with a family who received a joyous baby boy. Praise the Lord. We're going to dedicate a family because we don't really dedicate children because, you know, they're going to have to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then one day they're going to take hold of Jesus for themselves. But we're certainly going to lift up the family and lift up the child that there'll be everything in place for that child to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and understand their destiny at a young age. Amen? That's one thing that I prayed over my kids. I lifted them up. I said, Lord, I want them to know your will at a young age. Amen? And they know their will. Some of them running from it. That's all right. Amen? Hallelujah. They know it. Praise the Lord. You got to, parents, you got to trust God with your children. You got to trust God with your children. Guess what? You think you love them babies, but God loves them so much more than you could ever love them because they are a word brought down from heaven. They are an extension of God's grace, mercy, and love in the earth. And every child that you see, that's an expression of God, an imager of God in the earth. Amen. And so I'd like the infields to come up here. We're going to pray over Baby Ezekiel, what a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. Michelle's, Zach's been such a blessing to the church for many years. And I remember when they were both coming together, when they were dating. And praise the Lord, they've been a blessing. So I'm not going to wake up little little Ezekiel right now because we don't want him to prophesy real quick. (laughs) But Zach, would you show the, just kind of parade that beautiful child 
Can you see him? Isn't he beautiful? Amen. Hallelujah. How can something that beautiful come from Zach? <laughs> no, he's a handsome man. Amen. And we're just going to set them apart. You know, they're already walking with the Lord. And that's vital and important. For this child to feel the safety and security that this, this child needs to grow and to find out the will of God for his life, he needs good, strong parents. So I'd like for you to just extend your hands towards this lovely couple right now. Father, we just give you praise and we thank you so much for Zach, for Michelle. We thank you so much for the spiritual heritage that they carry that comes down from their family line. I'm so grateful, Father God, for their parents that have served the Lord, for their family that serves the Lord, and for themselves as they continue to serve the Lord. I thank you they'll create a habitation of praise and glory for young Ezekiel to be able to be nurtured in the admonition of the Lord. And we just pray over Ezekiel, and we just thank you that Ezekiel will know the will of God for his life at a young age. We come against all sickness and disease, and we, we declare that he will be a healthy, functioning child all the days of his life, and he shall operate in the strength of the Lord in Jesus' name. We pray for the mind of Christ to be manifested in this couple so that they can lead and guide and help Ezekiel make the proper decisions that he's going to make as he progresses in this life. And we thank you for divine protection over them in the name of Jesus. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, say amen. 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 Let's give God praise for this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You guys did good. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. We do have that. Amen. We'll give this to him. Zach, here you go. I know. Thank you, brother. Amen. God is good. God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've been uh, endeavoring to teach on this uh, series called where Jesus in the 24th chapter of the gospel of Matthew when asked about the end times in which you and I are living in the first thing that he says see that no man deceive you so basically what he is saying is he's saying in the end times there is going to be just a massive move of deception that comes upon the people of the earth because time is short. Jesus is coming back. How many sense that? Amen. Jesus is coming back. And so we need to be ready. We need to be equipped. Amen. And so what is causing people to be blinded are people to not understand what time it is is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, this spirit of Antichrist was released the minute Eve and Adam partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what was released into the earth, the spirit of Antichrist. You see, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, 
is what we as believers have received. We have not received the spirit of the world, which is the spirit of Antichrist. We've received the spirit of God. Amen? And we're born of God and we're children of God. And the seed of God's word dwells and abides in our hearts. And that is the overcoming spirit that you and I have been made partakers of. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So let's turn in our Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen? And verse number 1, it says, Beloved. How many beloveds do we have in here? We got five beloveds in here. How many beloveds in here? You need to understand that, that if you're born of God, if the blood of Jesus has cleansed and washed you from all sin, you are known as God's beloved. Amen? God loves you. God cares for you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Amen? Do you believe that? He says, beloved, notice this. Do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. Now, what is he talking about there? Because most people, they don't seem to understand that there are other spirits out in the world. And there are. There's plenty of them. There's a lot of them. In fact, you're not only dealing with the Holy Spirit, but you're dealing with demonic spirits. You're dealing with fallen angelic spirits. And you're dealing with human spirits. Amen? And so we have to get an understanding that we are not to believe every spirit. Amen? We are not to believe every spirit because guess what? There are spirits out there that want to deceive us. Amen? All of the false teachings that are in the world are brought in by deceiving spirits. Amen? Now, let's, uh, is my mic okay? Because I sound a little, sound a little ringy. I want to sound okay? You can hear me? All right. Well, this is not in my notes, Kirby. So I'm going to go over to, let's go over to Timothy. Let's go over to, I believe, it's going to be First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1. Just keep it on that scripture, Kirby, right there. Uh, it says, in verse number 1 of First Timothy chapter 4, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, how many realize we're in the latter times? We are in the last of the last days. We're in the minutes that are approaching the appearing of our great master. Amen? It's going to split that eastern sky. Praise God. I'm, you know, the older I get, I say, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? But it says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. Notice that. People will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to what? Deceitful spirits. Deceitful spirits and doctrines or teachings of demons. Amen? 
So that tells me something about the spirit realm when we're looking at this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit because they come to seduce, as King James says, seducing spirits, deceptive spirits, spirits that want to get you off of the way, get you off of the path to deceive and to skew you in a direction that is contrary to sound teaching, to sound doctrine. And then doctrines are teachings of demons. Amen? This is philosophy. This is all kinds of ideas that are not steeped in the Bible. And if you're going to be a person that's not going to fall for deception in these last days, you must make the Bible a priority in your life. Amen? You must make the Bible something that you read and study and examine and look at continuously because it is the only truth that we have in this world. We established that last week. Thy word is what? Is truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, the reality. Hallelujah. And I am the life. So it's only through Jesus that we see the true image of who we can become, who we are, and it reveals our condition even when we're without him. The Bible reveals that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and had no hope in the world. But thank God, Jesus came, died upon that cross, and was raised from the dead. Amen? And we were crucified with him, buried with him, and raised with him, And seated with him. And the only way you're going to know that is through this word. The only way I'm going to experience that is by continuously reminding myself through the word of God. Amen? And so doctrines of demons. And in fact, if you study history, you'll find out that Plato, Socrates, and many of the philosophies that are taught in our colleges today... They credit receiving information from diamonions. See, in the early days, the word diamonion was not seen as negative. They were seen as positive influencers that gave knowledge to men. Jesus called them diamonions, but he began to share with us that they were not good, that they were there to deceive and cause mankind to be led astray away from the truth that is in the gospel. Amen? Now, you can look at Nietzsche, you can look at all of the various philosophers that are studied in our higher level of education, and you can see that they are steeped in inspiration coming from the wrong place. Amen? I'm surprised at people that will read certain things and embrace certain things. I remember reading Edgar Allan Poe when I was in school. And you didn't have to read very far into Edgar Allan Poe's writings to know that he had some spirit problems in his life. I've been, you know, really been into uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's, you know, the uh, Sherlock Holmes. 
then you begin to realize that there is a spiritual element to uh, those stories and how that they're injected into the popular culture. This idea that uh, because the very thing that that caused Sherlock Holmes to be so in tune with his laws of deduction that he used were the very things that also tormented him. Do you understand that? They tormented him almost if you read the stories, he would get into drug abuse. He would get into cocaine and, and, and you know, various drugs because what was using him, because we have to understand that, it's not that we're using them. Oh, they're using us. You understand what I'm saying? So as they use us, you see, there's side effects. Whatever benefit we get from them, whether it's some kind of knowledge or some kind of understanding or some kind of power or strength, we have to realize that it's used to deprive us and, and, and to delete us of the things that are truly valuable to us. Amen? And so Socrates and Plato, they would get information from inspired sources, okay? And if you look at the, the word teaching or doctrine of demons, it is the, uh, the Greek word didalasko. And it means teaching, it means instruction, but here, here's something that we need to understand. It means muse. Now, how many understand what a muse is? A muse is a source of inspiration. In uh, uh, mythological teaching, a muse was generally a, a feminine, that uh, a female that would come in and would inspire poetry, would inspire music, would inspire writings. Okay? Now, many times, even when we're writing you know, messages for the Lord, you know, we look for inspiration. Praise God, the Holy Spirit can give us all the inspiration that we need. Amen? To, the word inspired means to be God-breathed. It means God breathes and he animates and brings to life certain things. How many have ever read the word of God and it just seems like it's been a dry season? You're, you're going through your Bible reading and and it just, you know, you're just reading words and you can just tell. You're just not really, there's not a connection. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and breathes upon that time. And that inspiration comes and, and all of a sudden you're just invigorated and enlivened by the Spirit of God. Amen? It's the same way with worship. It's the same way as you worship the Lord. There's times in which you aren't, uh, you know, motivated or inspired to worship at all. You just seem, you know, it just seemed, well, we've got to get this over with, you know. Let's just, you know, sing these songs. Come on, yada, yada, yada. But then the breath of God comes in and begins to invigorate and enliven you and begins to, you know, animate you. Well, guess what? There are other spirits that do that too. Hello. The word antichrist means to oppose Christ. We know that. But it also means to replace. And so these spirits that he's talking about don't believe every spirit. They come to replace 
what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. He wants to inspire you. He wants to teach and lead and guide you. They want to come, and they want to lead. They want to guide, and they want to inspire. Hello? And they'll mask themselves as angels of light. Amen? They'll show up just like, just like God. You'll think it's God. You'll think it's absolutely God. Amen? Oh, praise the Lord. Let's go to the next verse. Praise the Lord. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, why did he categorize this? Because he was dealing with the Gnostics. The Gnostics believed that Jesus was just a spiritual being, that he did not come in the flesh. See, the reason why you have to believe that Jesus came in the flesh is because he had to be the Son of Man in order to take away the sins of the world. He had to do it as a man. He was 100% God, 100% man, but he had to come as a man. A spirit cannot purchase redemption for us. Because God gave flesh authority on the earth. So therefore, God had to become flesh so that he could take back the authority that Adam lost. And redeem us. So it's important for this. Now he's addressing this. This isn't the only thing that delineates between the spirit of God and a spirit of error or the spirit of the world. But it is one of the main things. Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. That means we must understand and believe that he was born of a virgin. You cannot not believe in the virgin birth if you are going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Because if he was tainted with Adam's sin in his blood, then his payment would not redeem us. He had to become fully in the flesh so that you and I could receive the fullness of his spirit in our lives. Amen? And so it says, anyone that conf- every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. The next verse. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Hmm. Hello? That's not only demonic spirits, that's not only fallen angel spirits, but that's also human spirits. Human spirits that try to speak into our lives, to try to dissuade us into thinking a certain way, or to kind of dull down our spiritual temper towards the Lord. Guess what? It says if they do not confess Jesus, they are not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. This is the spirit that opposes and seeks to replace which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Now we know that there will be an Antichrist, a person that will embody this spirit. Just like the Spirit of God was made to be embodied in the body of Christ, there will be an Antichrist that will come by the same way. A man fully yielded to the spirit of Antichrist. These are the spirits that go with the two trees in the garden. The tree of life, 
the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the spirit of Antichrist, the law of sin and of death. These are the two spirits that are operating in the world today. And they come, and the Holy Spirit comes to bring us truth, to bring us guidance, to bring us life, to bring us health, to bring us abundance, to bring us blessing. And the spirit of Antichrist seeks to mimic those things. Amen? Go to the next verse here. We read this. This has been our text. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Now he's talking to believers here. He says, don't believe every spirit. Now go to the next verse here. I believe this is our text verse. 2.18, 2.18, 1 John 2.18, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, he's talking about the embodiment of Antichrist, so now many Antichrists, talking about the spirit of Antichrist, have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour, amen? So we see that it is the last hour because the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today but praise God praise God we have the spirit that overcomes the spirit of antichrist amen hallelujah turn to the next scripture second Timothy chapter 3 verse number 13 we talked about this last week while evil people and imposters that word is seducers in the King James it's the uh, Greek word goaz in the Greek and it means magician An actor will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That is where we're living at today. That's the reason why you can see people on your television screen, on your uh, computer monitor, on your phone, that can say some of the most outlandish things that you think, my goodness gracious, how in the world could they even believe that? It's because they are personally deceived. And they are being deceived. Amen? And so we need to make a declaration here today that we're not going to be deceived. Amen? And that's the reason why the, the, the Apostle John talked about the unction on the inside of us. He talked about the Holy Spirit's presence. We need to be cultivating... Uh, a relationship with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God to where we can discern the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. Amen? Because it's important for us to understand that God has given us not just the Word of truth, but the Spirit of truth. So that means we can abide in the truth. That means we can not have the wool pulled over our eyes. That we don't need to be deceived because we have the spirit of truth and the word of truth. But if we don't cultivate 
that relationship in our lives, if we don't begin to allow the unction to begin to be developed to where we discern and know the voice of God, we can find ourselves open for all kinds of deception. One of the main ways is spiritual deception. And spiritual deception runs rampant in the church. Where people believe that they're operating in the spirit of God. When they're operating out of their own spirit that's filled with bitterness. That's filled with offense. I followed my pastor for goodness gracious for 16 years. I was his armor bearer. And I remember people would get mad at him for the decisions that he would make or even some of the things he would say. They would get offended at him. And they were so-called prophets and prophetesses. And all of a sudden, because they were upset with him, because they didn't like what he said or what he did or decision concerning them, because it's very selfish, if you're going to be a true prophet of God, stop being so stinking selfish. Prophets don't think about themselves. And all of a sudden... They're coming to me, the associate, and they're telling me about dreams. Well, I believe David's going to die. Well, where'd you get that from? Because that's not from the Spirit of the Lord. Because the Spirit of the Lord's about life. See, this corrective spirit, critical spirit, What they do is they mix in their own spiritual temperament and they try to mix it in with something from the Holy Spirit. And they read in the Old Testament where God judged kings and nations and spoke about them in a negative way and pronounced judgments on them. And they believe that's the way the New Testament prophet's supposed to operate. I followed a prophet. My great-grandfather was Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. And guess what? There were times when correction would come. Some of, you, some of you so-called prophets need to educate yourself and listen to true prophets, not those YouTube prophets that you're listening to. It was rare that Brother Hagin had a negative prophecy to someone. It was rare, and there was, a, there was a means that the person could correct themselves. It was rare, rare, because the, you know, the basic building blocks of prophecy are edification, exhortation, and comfort. So telling somebody that they're going to die or lose their ministry... Oh, I remember a story that from the Gospels where James and John got upset because the Samaritans wouldn't let them pass through their city. How many remember that? And they came to Jesus and they said, let's call fire down on them. 
See, you can be upset about your situation or about a relationship you have with somebody. And then all of a sudden you go to bed at night and a seducing spirit comes in and begins to weave some kind of prophetic tale that you believe is God. This is, runs rampant in the church. They would write him letters. They would write him letters. Thus saith the Lord, you're going to lose everything. Why? Because they didn't agree with him. I'd sit there and read him. He would cry. It'd make him cry. I mean, I sat across the, the desk with him, and he was just shaking his head because all he did was want to love them and, and, and bless them and, and be there for them. And now all they're doing is spitting out this, this sewage and calling it the Spirit of God. Hello. I know a lot about you suckers out there. But I will guarantee you, I don't get dreams about you dying. I don't get dreams about you losing your marriages. I don't get dreams about losing your ministries. I don't get those. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord. Hello. Wickedness. Just absolutely wickedness in the name of the Lord. Wickedness. This is the spirit of Antichrist. It's in the church. See, what, you know, when we're talking about the Antichrist, you're thinking about some world leader, some, some, somebody that's going to come through you know, the auspices of politics or things of that nature. No, the spirit of Antichrist works in the house. The spirit of Antichrist works in, in every area of your life. And the spirit of Antichrist, unfortunately, works in the church. Hello. The reason why they're speaking deceptive words is because they themselves have been deceived. Hello. Can't give you no scriptural backing on what they say. I've had people, and people would come to David all the time. They'd have dreams about the church, dreams about the... And, 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 and David would say, you know, he, we always take them into consideration. Always. But I've got to go by what that says. And we've had people leave our offices because they valued what they got in a dream over what's in that book. And nowhere did Jesus ever say, thy dreams are true. (laughs) Hello. I'm speaking the truth in love. I'm trying to help you out. Amen. There are people that are going to gatherings where people just prophesy. They don't even open the Bible. Don't even open the Bible. Don't even teach the Bible. They just prophesy over one another. And they never one time examine it. They don't put it under the microscope. And see, we have to understand that gifting and character don't always walk hand in hand. 
<laughs> oh, my goodness. They don't. Gifting and... Because you can operate in spiritual gifts and be an absolute jerk. Hello. And in fact, the, the spirit of pride gets on a lot of gifted people and they don't know how to treat people. They don't even know how even like people. Hello. I've known many ministers. They operate in gifts and stuff and they don't even like the people they're ministering to. Say, I hate people, but give me a mic anyway, you know? Hello? Amen. Well, I think I need to move on. How about you? you guys are looking uncomfortable. That's the truth. See, the problem is, my friends, is we are beholden to the spectacular. We're enchanted by it, but yet we're missing the supernatural. There's not a more supernatural book than what you're holding in your hands right now. There's not a more supernatural. This is God-inspired. If you want to know, God breathes. Sets everything apart. Amen? So it's vital and important for us to understand that these spirits want to dissuade us and will mask themselves as the Holy Spirit because the spirit of Antichrist always seeks to replace. Amen? What do we got next there? Matthew 24, verse number 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away. And when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, go ahead to the next one. But he answered them, you see all these things, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Next verse. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age. Matthew 24, 3. Next one. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. Okay, so here Jesus is teaching, and they're asking very important questions, questions that we're answering still, asking still today. And he basically tells you the first thing that you've got to get a hold of is that you need to guard against deception. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're going to be talking about the seven manifestations in the next 15 minutes, the seven manifestations of the Antichrist spirit in the earth. And you don't need to offset these to a future time because they're alive and well today. We need to recognize them in our own lives because we may be operating in the manifestations of the Antichrist because the spirit of Antichrist came from the knowledge of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It came from that. That's what was breathed into Adam and he lost the spirit of God because it was replaced with the spirit of anti-Christ, anti-anointed. Amen? So seven manifestations of the Antichrist spirit, okay? We're going to run through these real quickly. First is pretense. And we've really been looking at this closely over the last few weeks. It's deception. 
It is the number one characteristic of the spirit of Antichrist is when you're deceptive. Uh, you know, when we try to hide things, when we're not open, when we're, you know, when we're trying to play games behind people's backs, things like that. That is the spirit of Antichrist trying to trick people, trying to do things behind them, trying, come on now, this is pretense, putting on a false face, saying that you love someone when you really hate someone, saying that you'll be there when you have no intention of being there. This is the spirit of Antichrist. This is not the spirit of truth. And deception comes in all forms. It comes through our actions, through our body language, through what we do, through our positioning, and through the words that come out of our mouths. And we need to be people that operate in the truth. Amen? So we need to stay about, stay off of pretense. Now, I've exhausted that point up to the point that the Holy Spirit wants me to, so I'm going to go with the next one. All right. Phenomena. The spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of phenomena. Now let's look over at, uh, it's not in my notes, 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Are you guys okay out there? Praise the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9. It says, the coming of the lawless one, which is another name of the Antichrist, the lawless one. It says, let me find it here. I lost my place. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So the spirit of phenomena will begin to happen. Are we seeing these things begin to ramp up in our last days? How, you know, we're, we'll talk about this a little bit next week, but, you know, we're getting into the UA, UAPs and the UFOs and things of that nature. People seeing signs in the heavens, okay? Those are going to be more and more. They're not just going to come from the spirit realm because they're dimensional beings. They're not coming from, you know, far outreaches of space. They're, they're entering into dimensional portals into our world, okay? And they're here to bring about deception to cause us to not believe the gospel narrative. That there are other forms of life out there which basically stem from the Big Bang Theory. Because the Big Bang Theory, which is just a theory, it's actually a religion... Okay, supposes that if we came from an evolutionary foundation, that other places also had evolutionary forthcomings. And that's not true. That's not biblical. We didn't come out of the primordial mud. Hello. But yet, that's what it does. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But phenomena. And there is earth human-made phenomena that is in con- conspiring with the wicked one to bring about deception. They've actually got in the Pentagon, they've actually got, um, I can't remember what the project is. 
um, but it is a way in which they actually can project entire cities or armadas or even spaceships up in the clouds, up in the air, to where they look absolutely real. And they do that to offset and protect our nation, but they'll be used for a deceptive means. In fact, they've used it to have Christ appear in the desert. Remember Jesus said that? If they say, I'm in the desert, don't go. Well, they've actually done that. They've actually done that. Documented. Look it up for yourself. They've actually done that. And so you're seeing all kinds of different things that they're doing, atmospheric phenomenon, things that are going on that are causing people to be deceived into thinking that there's an alternative away from a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Amen? All right. You're looking a little somber. It's, it's all right. Okay, the next one. All right. Pride. Ah, there are entire groups of our nation, of our world, that celebrate pride. They celebrate it. And it is an anathema to God. It is abhorred by God. The Bible speaks against pride. Amen? Now, I don't have time to go into this, but if you look at Job, the 42nd chapter, the 41st or the 42nd chapter, let me, let me find it for you. We're introduced to a character called Leviathan. How many know that word? Leviathan, okay? That's actually found in Job 41. And it's, uh, many people don't understand that Job's issues stemmed from his own personal self-righteousness and his own pride. And God had to correct him. And he corrected him by giving him the illustration of Leviathan. And Leviathan is just simply a a model of Satan. Pride was seeped into the spirit of Adam and Eve. It causes you to live irrespective of God. To where the involvement with God is non-existent. That you're your own man, you're your own woman... And you can achieve and do anything that you put your heart to do. Now, is that not in the culture today? Especially in the United States of America, we're told we can be anything we want to be. Even if you're a male, you can be a female. If you're a female, you can be a male. You need to understand that that was the spirit of Satan. In the 14th chapter of the book of Isaiah... He says, I will make myself to become God. Hello. And there's a lot of people with jealousy and envy in their hearts trying to make themselves become like someone they admire, like someone they look up to, and they miss the point that they are an imager of God brought upon this earth to show a facet of the Lord that cannot be revealed if they put it behind a mask. Amen? Human pride, God hates it. He absolutely hates it. And many times people that will operate in these other spirits and think that they are the spirit of the Lord, 
you will see pride in their lives. They're critical of other people. They continue to lambast other people. They don't, uh, you know, they don't have any regard for leadership or any kind of oversight in their life because they're the end-all, be-all. You know, I, I know what's right for my life. It's just me and the Lord. Well, guess what? You can't show your love for the Lord. I can't show my love for the Lord unless I love my brother. And I can't show my submission to the Lord if I'm not submitted to another. People don't like that. It's not the American way. But it's the Bible way. It's the kingdom way. You're not going to have your own. Because you haven't done anything and helped another person do what they're called to do. Haven't done it. And just showing up here and sitting in a seat, that ain't doing it. But pride. Well, I know better than them. I can preach better than them. I can do that better than they can. You know, I don't understand why they put them in that position. You know, I'm a hundred times better than they are. See, that's the spirit of pride. Hello. I guess we need to move on. (laughs) The Bible says pride will bring destruction. Pride will bring you low. God doesn't like pride. The Bible says that he knows the proud afar off. It doesn't mean he takes his hand off of them. It just means he knows them from afar off. It's just like holding a dirty diaper. You don't take that dirty diaper and just swift the aroma. You hold it way afar from you. And God does that with people. Hello. It's the truth. It's the truth. People don't like to talk about this because it just shows you that the spirit of pride is rampant in the church. It's rampant in the church. And especially in the acceleration of these so-called gifted individuals that don't have the character of Christ to love people and to love the Lord and to realize that it's not about me, it's about Him. They continue to want to bring people to themselves. Oh, I'm just going to, you need to come where I'm at because I know this and this happened here and this happened there. Well, that's the spirit of pride. You need to avoid that stuff. And you need to avoid people that operate that way. You need to say, whew, that's, there's a smell in this place. There's a, there's a stench. And guess what? Where you're going to smell the smell is their bad, nasty breath. Because they don't, they spew nothing but junk. Hello. Hello. This is a lot of fun from my perspective. I'm just having a great time here. Amen. But it's the truth. I'm trying to free you. Hello. I have been guilty of pride my whole life. My whole life I have fought the pride dragon. When I was a young minister, I thought, man, you know what? I'm better than David. I can preach better than David. I can do, come on now. I I thought that stuff. And you know what? I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I was stupid, (laughs) ignorant. Hello? Hello? But see, what pride did to my life, it spoiled my relationships. 
Because I thought I was better, therefore that's how I treated others. Amen? You know, there was just an air of condescension to me, a judgmental and critical attitude. If Jerry didn't necessarily do what I thought, I'd just kind of look down on him, you know. Instead of being gracious and merciful, you know, the characters of Jesus. You know, instead of giving grace, you know, I can't believe he did that. I just can't believe he's just as stupid as... Hello? That's the spirit of Antichrist. Hello, downgrading people, critiquing them, knocking the legs out from under them. And, oh, God forbid, you never tell it to their face. You've got to find your other pride monsters. Hello. I told you this. People think in packs. Hello. And boy, when pride, pride just gets to pride. And if, if there's pride in you, then it's going to attract people that have pride. And guess what? They're going to talk about the same stuff you're talking about. You know, I saw that as well. I understand that as well. You're not wrong, brother. (laughs) Preach on, sister. And all the while, Jesus is just disappointed that you can't show grace and mercy that you were shown by him. Because there were things that you've done and things that you've said that he wanted to, I I bet you he had the feelings of backing away from, but he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'm telling you, we could better move on, Kirby. What's the next one there? Power. I tell you what, we're seeing this in our government, people that are just wanting power. They're just power hungry people. They want to exert control over people. Hello. If you're called into the ministry or any realm of leadership, you should never be starving for power. I'm telling you what, that's the last thing that you want on your agenda is to be a person of power. Well, I need to be in this position. I need to be called this. I need to have this title. That is the spirit of Antichrist. Jesus said that it is the world that operates in that. But in the kingdom of God, we must become as slaves, servants. Come on now. Amen? It's the truth anyhow. People wanting power. Hello? That's what the enemy wanted, power. He wanted to be like God. Well, there's a lot of people that want to be like God in their own lives. Is that increasing in our world today? Is narcissism increasing in our world today? How many selfies did we take this week? Amen. There is a desire for power. And that's the spirit of Antichrist. Let's go with the next one. Persecution. Daniel teaches us that the spirit of Antichrist, or the Antichrist himself, 
will wear out the saints. In Revelation chapter 13, it says that he will have power over the saints. I'm telling you, persecution is going to increase in our nation. It's already increasing because it's a spirit of antichrist. Amen? And you need to toughen your skin up because it's coming, friends. There is no scripture in the Bible that says the rapture comes before it gets bad. He will come and get us before the tribulation period, the Bible teaches. But that doesn't mean we're not going to be affected by persecution from the world. And they're already doing it. They are plotting and planning and conspiring even as we're meeting here today on how to take away your liberties and your rights to worship. They want to take away the church's abilities that were given to them by the founding fathers and they want to totally destroy it. They've been wanting to do it for millennia, for ever since the fall. Amen? And so we need to understand that persecution is going to come. You're going to be persecuted for your beliefs, for where you go to church, for what you believe, for reading your Bible, for raising your kids a certain way. Come on now. And you're going to be ridiculed and mocked, and you better be ready. Amen? Okay. All right. All that live godly will suffer persecution. Amen? All right, number six, perversion. Have we seen any of this? <laughs> Pervert means to twist and, and to make unrecognizable. And so God gives us the gift of sexuality, and sin perverts and twists it and makes it look different than what God intended. God gives us gender and sin twists it into something that is not even recognizable. God gives us these wonderful gifts, and Satan, who is not a creator, who cannot make or manufacture anything, just takes the, the media that God has made and twists it and makes it work in a way that is counterintuitive to our original design. And we see that in sexuality. Sexuality is one of the main ways in which the enemy brings in deception in our lives because many times when people are compromised sexually, they're open to deception, to deceiving spirits. You can get in a relationship with someone and cross the line sexually and be enslaved to that person for the rest of your life even though that person is no longer in your life. Because there's a spiritual baggage that comes with that. And he understands that. And so he wants to compromise you and cause types of perversion to be in your life to distort the true image that God wants to bring forth out of your life. Amen? And so we're seeing perversion on all kinds of levels. This is the spirit of Antichrist. 
It's where the family is twisted and doesn't look like a family. Marriages don't look like marriages anymore. All the building blocks that God used to create our society and culture are being attacked by the, the spirit of Antichrist to not look that way any longer. Amen? And number seven, pluralism. Listen, the Antichrist will be a pluralist because he will not regard, according to Daniel, the God of his fathers. He will not recall the God that is beloved by women. Most people will say he will be a homosexual. That's not what that means. It just means that he will not regard any deities whatsoever from his father or from his mother's side. Okay? And he will regard no God. Now, in order to deceive the people, he will be a pluralist. He'll receive everybody. Just like the Pope is doing right now. Now, I'm not saying that he's the Antichrist. I'm just saying that he's part of the spirit of Antichrist. Receiving all kinds and saying, you know, you don't need... Jesus isn't the only way. Hello? This is, this is the spirit of Antichrist. Pluralism. Where, hey, I'm okay with who you worship. If you want to worship a, a toad, go right ahead. If you want to worship a tree, go right ahead. Doesn't matter to me. But midway through the tribulation, he'll say, you ain't worshiping anybody but me. See, that's a tactic of all tyrants. It's called the deception of tolerance. And that's a big, major catchphrase in our world today. Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. All of the major despots throughout history used tolerance as a manipulation uh, technique to cause people to lower their guard down And then, as he accepts everything, he turns and then he begins to direct their worship towards him. This is the spirit of Antichrist. It lets you have wide margin at the front, but as you go into the cone, your options get less and less and less. And that's what's happening in our world today. We think that everything's widening. Most people will perceive, well, we're just widening and broadening our view. No, nothing could be further from the truth. You're narrowing your focus. You're narrowing your focus. And eventually it's going to come down to one man. Amen? And this are the seven manifestations (coughs) that are operating in the world today. We need to ask ourselves, are they operating in my life? Are they operating in my home See, we've got such perversion today that instead of the husband, the wife, and children, now we've got places where the children, that's exactly what the Bible says. It says, parents, obey your children. Is that what it says? But yet in our public schools, they're being taught that we should listen and be accepting over everything that they say and everything that they feel. No, that is not what the Bible teaches. 
It says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from. That's not popular, but that's what the Bible says. Hello. There is idolatry in the home when children are put in their improper place and are set up to be served in a way that is inordinate and wrong. And then there's times in which the wife basically rules the household and begins to you I'm not talking about helps with you know uh, with the uh, you know the finances and things of that nature. I'm talking about manipulative witchcraft control. I'm telling you this is perversion at its highest order. And it needs to stop. And where it needs to stop, it needs to stop in the house of the Lord. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. But it doesn't end there. Amen? Now you look like I gave you liver and onions today. For But you know, liver and onions is good. It creates healthy blood cells. You're going to have good blood flowing through your veins. Amen? But I'm here to tell you, my friends, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be deceived. We don't need to fall for the devil's tricks. We need to love one another. We need to care for one another. Praise God, we've got the power to repent. We've got the Spirit of God that will make us right. And we've got one another to go through the storm. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We've got one another. Amen? Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. If you're here and you're just kind of wishy-washy in your relationship with the Lord, step forward and make a commitment. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what? You need the Holy Spirit. Especially in the times and seasons in which we live. If you need healing in your body, praise God, the healer's in the house. If you're tormented in your mind, and you need deliverance. Jesus has come to deliver you. And he's right here. Amen. So I'm going to have the counselors or the ministers come up. They're not really counselors. They're minister, dynamic ministers. That can pray heaven down. Will be right up here. As I close the service, I want you to come. Don't leave the same way you came in. Amen. God has something with your name on it today. Come and receive from the hand of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, we've been enjoying talking about Ephesians. I believe we'll get into another verse this next Wednesday. But it's been good. Amen? Hallelujah. And I just loved men's breakfast yesterday. How about how many love that men's breakfast? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We had prophecy. We had tongues and interpretation. We had some good exhortation. 
We had the Spirit of God move and reveal and through the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. It was powerful, wonderful. And if you're a man, you need to be there. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.